Life is too short for shit books. That's the mantra of this podcast. I'm your host, Heather Sutty, and today's guest on The Book Alchemist is Gregor Holleran, avid reader and co-founder of Story Shop. We discuss running an award-winning PR and marketing agency, Dodie Aid, Alan Partridge, being obsessive and finding the time to read great memoirs. Gregor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Have you taken time out of a very busy day at Story Shop for this? Yeah, it's quite busy. A lot going on at the moment, but it's uh, good to be here. Good to do something different. You are very busy because you're running an award-winning agency, but you're also dad to two very young children. Yes. So how much of your time is taken up with bedtime stories? A lot of bedtime stories, especially for my Miles has really started to love, so he's three years old now, he started to really love Dr. Seuss, so we do a lot of that at night, so normally Cat in the Hat and then, uh, yeah, lots of others, so it's been good. To, I'm actually really enjoying it, it's kind of, you get to see kind of how stories are made and how, what ones he reacts to and being able to kind of, you know, do the characters and bring them to life and, and do that, it's, it's a kind of really nice time because obviously... It's my wife and I that started the business and then we've been really, really busy. So being able to kind of find the time that is just, there's no work, there's no anything. And, you know, being able to do bedtime stories and talk to them has been a big kind of part of it. So I love it. So favourite part of my day. Oh, and it's so important to to read early, isn't it? Uh-huh. I definitely think the more, when we really started doing it more, his speech just started to really ramp up and... And it's his imagination as well. You can see the more we do it, the more he's, when he's playing with toys and things, the more he is really, really imaginative. And I think it is, it's amazing these things when you see firsthand how reading can make such a big impact on a child, how when they're hungry, how it makes such a massive impact. And when they're tired, how it makes such a massive impact. And then you realise that is exactly the same as when you're older. And when you're doing all these things that you think you kind of take for granted or you don't really think about and you realise as humans how much of a big difference they can make when we started the business at the same time as having children so we've had the business been going for almost four years and we've got a one and a three-year-old so we felt, felt like there wasn't a lot of time to read and things like that and that really starts to have a big impact when you're not doing that you start to feel I certainly start to feel you know like I'm a thinking a bit more fuzzy I would say when mm -hmm. I'm not actually taking the time to just do that and I'm always just thinking about work and, and other things. It's important to take time out, though, and be able to learn how to switch your brain off, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. especially, you know, I mean, you'll be like that all the time as well. When you're dealing with PR, which is constant, it never really stops. And to be able to actually, and it's always changing, always evolving. And to actually be able to just sit down with a book. And that's what I used to do. Before I had children, I would get up an hour early before going to the gym and sit and just read a book because it was before clients could get hold of me <laughs> it was just a time to be able to switch off and you could get completely immersed in it and I suppose that's what you know it's always like something's got to give and I've definitely felt that since having children that I found it harder to to take that time and actually take time for myself yeah so you run the business with your wife yes what's that like having a husband-wife partnership it's quite challenging because I think, you know, this is, it's a really unusual time. So I think we've only ever had the business in a really unusual time in the sense that we've gone from starting a business during COVID with, well, Scarlett's been either, we've either had a child under one or she's been heavily pregnant for the entire time that we've had the business. So it's been quite, I think now we're kind of entering a stage where it is, 
a wee bit of normality, you know, like both children are at nursery, Scarlett's back at work the majority of time and is it has been it's just been really, really hard where I've been trying to grow a business, start it from scratch and do that all as we've got these two children and we don't really know how to raise children because we've not had children before. <laughs> so um so doing that's been really hard. But I think you just you make it work and I think it's that flow, like we find time. So even if it's it after the kids have gone to bed We'll actually sit and think big picture about the business and you know you couldn't do that if you had another co-founder but then there's also that flex in the sense that well we know each other have nursery pickup one day or all these other things that you have to do and since having children as well it's so good because i'm a workaholic i will just work all the time so it just enforces you to actually spend the time with them and make the time for family time because otherwise I suppose that's part of the challenge where the blurred lines between work and life mm. when you're working with your partner, it, it's it's constant. So to have the children where you cannot, there are times where you cannot do anything else. You know, you can only think about them and whether they're falling off something or <laughs> stopping them and things. So that's been really, really challenging. And definitely there's bits of it where I think we both feel like we're not giving enough to either of them mm -hmm. and that's quite hard because there's a lot of guilt there because when you start a business you want to give absolutely everything to it to make it go as well as it can we have children yeah obviously want to give absolutely everything you can to them but it's just knowing what to prioritize and where to spend your time amid complete exhaustion as well so it's been it's been hard but it's like it's great and i think like i suppose you get married someone because you're quite aligned and you want kind of very similar things and I think that is transcended into the business where decisions are quite easy to make because we are quite aligned in where we want to go to and we, we kind of trust each other completely which you maybe wouldn't have with another co-founder or or something so it's because uh, it's certainly for our business we want to you know do it for the long term and really kind of build something and both to both be very clear in that that we're not just you know wanting to you know sell it within two years or something and get it as big as we can you know we're very aligned that we're wanting to do the right thing with the business and be you know good employer good to our clients do really work that we can be really proud of that we're you know we feel good about at the end of the day and to be able to do that together and to be growing something together is great and it may be you've got to remind yourself of that kind of big picture sometimes because the day-to-day -day is just it's it's too much to mm. be you know, I think for anyone, I would say to have two full-time people are working full-time and to have children, it's just too much. Like the, you know, it doesn't compute. <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah, a lot. It's a lot. But it's, it's great, and I wouldn't change. And that's that's the main thing we say. Like you wouldn't change it. We've chosen to do both those things. You know, I think you can easily get, especially when you're tired and you you know you start to think, you can start to think very negative thoughts when you're tired all the time. And we I've been too tired for three years and and so scarlet and i think you just think you know we have chosen to do both these things you know we've you know, these are amazing things that we're so proud of and we're so happy that we've decided to do and we've taken that option we could have easily not you know you could easily not take that option and both of those would be valid decisions to make and we certainly considered both of those options of not starting a business or not having children and then we've made those decisions because we want to do them and that's the decision we've taken so we remind ourselves of that and that kind of keeps us on the straight and narrow clients are a bit like babies aren't they sometimes can be <laughs> no most of our clients are good i think for 
Um, well, all of our clients are good. I should have said that. <laughs> um, but I think we've been very because we don't want to just be a massive agency. We've been able to be very selective about the clients we work with. I think you know, coming from I'm not sure if you experienced this too, but coming from when you come from bigger agencies and bigger organisations, you, you kind of have to work for anyone, and we're quite selective about who we work with. Where. Wherever you are, whatever agency you are, you'll always go in and you'll talk about, oh, we want to build true partnerships and, you know, but we are genuinely want to do that. I think most of our clients are with us quite long term. Most of our clients trust us to do what we do rather than to try and be something else. Mm -hmm. And they're good people, you know, like we don't have to work with people that aren't good people. And sometimes if you're at a really massive agency, you probably do have to work with people who aren't good people. And that just makes life better for everyone who works in a team for Scarlett and I definitely, and it allows you to do better work, which is, you know, why you got into it in the first place. Life is too short. It is, definitely is. Tell me about Dodie Aids, because I know that this is one of the things that you're hugely passionate about, and it's a project, it's more than a project, that's doing it a disservice, it's something that's really fulfilling for you. Yeah, so it's uh, My Name Dodie Foundation, which was started by Dodie Weir to end MND. Um, it, Essentially, it's all the money raised is to fund MND research. Essentially, when Doddy Weir was diagnosed, he took that on as his life's mission was to make sure that they could fundraise for a cure because it's just underfunded. It's been underfunded drastically for a long, long time. And he kind of galvanized, I think, first the rugby community and then that really flowed out. And certainly, you know, I grew up watching Doddy Weir played rugby all my life and then grew up watching him so it definitely kind of felt the impact and then to have the chance to be involved in it so first kind of volunteered and did a little bits and pieces and then we've ended up working with the, the agency for the last two or three years and really kind of helping to raise its profile and also helping to go through a really challenging time because you've lost you know the talisman you've lost all the weir being able to really push everyone on because he was a hard man to say no to completely inspirational and to lose that i think it's a challenge for the foundation to how they can then continue to go in this upward trajectory for a long time into the future and then to its ultimate goal of ending MND without doddy we are there so i think what we've really tried to do is really try to keep it front of mind for public opinion and so everyone knows about it be able to galvanize other celebrities well-known people communities be able to tell the stories of people who are living with MND and mm -hmm. um, we've we've done an awful lot of that and I think to make it people understand what it is what people are experiencing and you know reminding people that there is a way to end this you know if it's if there's more research is funded then it can potentially end it so Every January, Rob Wainwright started this, so from our British and Irish line, Rob Wainwright, one of Doddy Weir's teammates, started this incredible thing called Doddy Aid, which is essentially during January, you log all the miles that you, you do. So thousands and thousands of people across the UK are doing it. Um, on Sunday, Chris Hoy led a virtual ride for everyone on their bikes, and there's um, amazing kind of events and activations through it. So... Mark Bowman led a trip around Arthur's seat. Um, there was a, a Dukes on New Year's Day, and there's so people join up to be part of a, a district. So be it Glasgow, the or 
Glasgow, Edinburgh, the South, the Barbarians, Wales, and but then also within that you can join a league. So we've started a little story shop league where we're quite competitive with each other about who can clock the most miles in January. <laughs> so that's good fun. I love it. <laughs> so storytelling is obviously, you know, it's in the title of your business, it's called Story Shop. Was reading a big part of your childhood when you were growing up? Definitely. Yeah, I was always a big reader. I think I mainly started. So I started out my career as a sports journalist and then a lot of what I did was reading sports autobiographies. I became really obsessed with that. I was really obsessed with Nick Hornby growing up. So okay, I think yeah. um, my like my favourite books I would have always said, maybe wouldn't say now, but I'd, I would definitely say when I was growing up that kind of Fever Pitch and High Fidelity were my two favourite books. And I've read them kind of cover to cover lots of, lots of times. But it was definitely a big part of it. And I think I was... I'm very I'm a very obsessive person. So growing up I was very obsessed with, you know, rugby, football in particular, and then music. And it was a lot of autobiographies that I would read all the time and I would just kind of go down rabbit holes and it's an amazing like there's nothing better when you become obsessed with a book and you can't stop reading it like that getting capturing that feeling you know I wish you could know which books ahead of time you (laughs) that would actually make you not stop reading because and that's when when I had miles I went from kind of reading a book a week to then having miles and just not find the time to read and then being so shattered at the end of the day that I was just, I would revert to TV to Mm. fall asleep to, which was a really bad habit. And then I was like, right, I've got to stop this. I've got to find the time. So I went back to autobiographies because that was where (laughs) yeah, my safe space. And I knew that, you know, because sometimes if you get into a fiction book and you're really, really into it and, you know, it's the best feeling in the world, but sometimes you don't really know which ones are going to get you. But then... I felt there was a lot of kind of confidence and safety in going to read autobiographies that I kind of knew the story of and I just uh-huh. wanted to find out more. Yeah. So then it became a real gateway to get me back into reading and then Sasha was born and it all went to pot again. <laughs> but <laughs> Or went to potty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so in terms of um, autobiographies and memoirs, I'm like you, I, I'm quite obsessive when it comes to things that I love. So I'm a big reader of memoirs. What have been some highlights of ones that you've enjoyed if you can remember them because I know you're tired (laughs) Um, lots of different ones so a few I loved uh, Dennis Bergkamp's autobiography I thought that was amazing a footballer Um, I think the best ever is probably not a true biography but it's Norm Macdonald who's my favourite comedian his he uh, called his autobiography is called Based on a True Story and it's all kind of tall tales but it is brilliant and it is uh, Norm Macdonald is the most underrated comedian. He died last year. And I think sometimes I'm quite critical when there's the kind of mass outpouring of grief sometimes about celebrities that people weren't really connected to. And I think, is is this performative for social media? Or, But I think when Norm Macdonald was the first time I think a celebrity died and I felt complete grief. And I was like, I, I've not experienced that before. And I'm, he is the biggest comic genius of our of our time I would say so I became completely obsessed with him and he, he wrote an amazing autobiography so I would definitely recommend that now, that's really interesting I have never heard of him we'll go down a, a rabbit hole because he is the the funniest man I would, I would I'm so tempted now to say one of his jokes <laughs> but I just know I could never ever do it justice um so I loved that I loved um 
Dave Chang's autobiography. So Dave Chang, he um, runs Momofuku, which is a food brand in, uh, in America. He has a great TV program on Netflix, so I encourage everyone to watch, called Ugly Delicious. He was one of Anthony Bourdain's best friends. I'm oh. obsessed with Anthony, uh, Kitchen Confidentials, another great one. But Dave Chang, I remember I gave it after I read it to um, my sister-in-law, and she said, that is you. You're completely like just how obsessed you get with things, how focused you are, and always like I guess n nothing ever being enough. You just constantly think things can be better and better and better. So you're always trying to push it forward. How you're you know trying to think outside the box to make things as as good as they possibly be. I'm not as anywhere near successful as him, <laughs> but um, and I certainly can't uh, can't cook like he does. But I think like that kind of you know that mindset of how we think so i think that one was really 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 great try to think of other ones that i've loved loved lemmy's i thought lemmy's was great i thought it was it was so interesting just the way he kind of talked about a lot of his kind of mental health i think he's you know i love i'm obsessed with comedy i love comedy and i think that was that was a good one as well that kind of and another one that got me out of my slump was um action bronson the rapper it was a great great book i would recommend it as well blank looks yeah. for me <laughs> how do you find these books like what's your go-to resource are you like me do you enjoy recommendations from friends or do you scour the sunday times every weekend or you know where's how do you find these books podcasts usually like people like recommending books on podcasts and my dad my dad is the biggest reader of anyone like he's probably the Maybe in the, sometime in the in the next few years, I'll be thinking about retirement, and I'm like, "What will you do once you retire?" Because he doesn't play golf, he doesn't do any of these things that people do when they retire, and he'll just read. Like that's all he really does. So I think, like, certainly, I took a lot of the pop culture and uh, interest in rugby, football from him. The um, obsession with Alan Partridge. The Radiohead, Led Zeppelin, a lot of the same things and the same for books. He certainly got me into kind of Nick Hornby and things and Jonathan Coe, um, Murakami, and he would kind of get into these things first, Ishiguro as well, and then I would read a lot of, he would kind of give me the books after and then he always kind of gifts me a lot of a lot of books. So I would say he's probably the main person that I get advice from, but then, you know, anytime Scarlet is so critical of me because i'm always listening to podcasts and i'm going straight on amazon which i know i shouldn't do um but it's going straight on amazon and ordering the book that they talk about so we have just got this <laughs> like hundreds of books that i've never read and like but i'm like i'll get i will get to it there will be a time in the future where we do not have two children three and one and i'll be able to read all these books <laughs> we can all relate yeah. we all buy endless amounts of books that we never have the time to read so when it comes to autobiographies, I don't know if you found this. Um, I don't really listen to audiobooks. I've only ever really listened to two audiobooks. One was Quiet by Claudia Winkle, because I just like her. Not Claudia Winkle, Claudia Winkleman. Who's <laughs> 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 <was> tired now? <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was Matthew McConaughey. I, I listened to Green I listened Lights. To, I never really listened to... That is one of the very few I've listened to on audiobooks. I always listen to podcasts, rarely audiobooks. I've listened to that one as well. I thought it was really good. He's brilliant. I mean, yeah. he could read the telephone directory, yeah, yeah. quite frankly, and make it sound interesting. Uh -huh. Are you ever tempted to listen to memoirs? Because, for example, one of the, the memoirs that I absolutely hoovered was Elton John's Me. Mm -hmm. And 
I sometimes think, gosh, you know, I'll probably go back to that at some point, but I would actually like to hear Elton yeah. narrate it. Do, uh-huh. do you ever find it, does that interests you? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, like, I think the best example of that for me is I read the first Alan Partridge book, and then I, um, I listened to the, I listened to it after, and I was like, it's such a better experience because it's Steve Coogan being mm-hmm. Alan Partridge for the entire time. So I think there's some people that do it really, really well, but then. I'm obsessed with podcasts. I listen to so many podcasts and I think like that kind of takes up that space and that time. Mm-hmm. And I think, to be honest, my obsession of podcasts has kind of squeezed out my love of music where I don't now have time for it. So <laughs> I'm almost like the reading books is for for when I'm actually able to read and then the podcast is for when I'm I'm listening. So I've, there's, there's very specific ones. I think like Matthew McConaughey, that's a real experience you know, that is a experience for his voice and everything he's doing, I think definitely for the Alan Partridge book, but I think for the majority of them, especially a, a lot of authors, when you hear them read, it's it's almost worse. It's a worse experience. And I think a lot, like I read a lot of kind of self-improvement and business books and things like I recently, and I think when you're, I'm on the go a lot when I'm reading, when I'm, uh, when I'm listening to things, so... I think for I'm not really taking notes as I go, but if I'm listening to either a kind of business biography, like um, I read Bob Iger's book recently. Oh, the Disney the Disney, yeah. Or um, I'm listening to a book about about something about business, or you know, some sort of self development book. Then I usually highlight take or take notes as I go. You don't really get to do that as much, so I think I would. And then for other other books, whether it's fiction, autobiographies, or anything, it's like it's an escape. It's being away from your phone or anything like that. It's you know, you're just sitting there, and it's a kind of different way of engaging with it. So I would always kind of move. I don't, yeah, basically long way of saying I don't really listen to too many audiobooks. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I, I'm like you. I, I love memoirs. I, I listen to music. I watch lots of drama. And one of the things that I absolutely love is business psychology books or mm-hmm. spiritual books. And I know some people go yawn, <laughs> but I actually love them. And one of them, one of the, the kind of authors that I love the most is Seth Godin. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you know who yeah, he is? Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. Seth Godin. So it's funny because I've got all his books, right, uh-huh. which I bought. Um, I mean, many of them are, you know, 10, 15, 20 years old. I bought them secondhand from World of Books. But what I love about Seth is he does a newsletter. Mm-hmm. And it's the, I mean, I subscribe to loads of newsletters, you know, like book newsletters yeah, yeah. and clothing and, you know, whatever. His is the only one that I read religiously every single day mm-hmm. because it's bite size. And mm-hmm. I think nowadays... I have a busy brain as well and a busy life and a busy business and all the rest of it. And I find small chunks way more powerful than a whole one. It's almost like, it's like a bar of chocolate. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it so much more because I just have a wee bit rather than hoovering the whole lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if there's maybe an opportunity for all these authors of business psychology books just to do a kind of thought for the day Mm because it's manageable. Yeah. I think for, you know, Seth Gordon, he's kind of the same as, I'm obsessed with this guy called David C. Baker, who is he's basically one of the kind of leading thinkers about agencies and how to run an agency. And I think what he does is very similar to what Seth Godin does, where every Friday he puts it, or I think, uh, yeah, he'll put out a newsletter. And the problem that he is talking about, his kind of thought for the day, is always the problem that I'm facing, or, you oh, know, really? running an agency. It just seems to be the way that he just kind of, manages to get that and I think when it's that when it's someone who 
because I think Seth Gordon is the same where he is very you know he hones in on one thing and one kind of challenge with marketing or or thought and having that kind of insight of what they're thinking about it and it's that trust isn't it where you really trust what they're saying and you've you're in, you're more engaged because it's coming from a person it's not coming from a brand or a business it's you are understanding that, that person this is what they're kind of genuinely saying so you're more bought in and I think receptive to it and they are sometimes selling you something at the end but they're giving you all that kind of value at the start and I think that's something we try and do with our clients is remember like give away value give away things for free give away your value your expertise your opinion because that then creates trust and you know people can't replicate that can't replicate what you're thinking absolutely I mean my mantra for life and everything whether it's friendships relationships family members business clients what you give out you get back Mm -hmm. So if you behave in a way that is unbecoming for whatever that means to you, it will, it's reciprocal. It will come back to you because whatever you put out there, it comes back. I completely agree. I think when we were starting thinking about starting the agency, we were talking a lot about why does the agency client relationship break a lot of the time? And I think like because both sides aren't looking for win-win situations. And I think we were all about looking at win-win situations. I think sometimes the client is sometimes looking for a shield or, you know, something, someone who's very, uh, they can throw under the bus <laughs> at the right yeah. moment. I think that that's not been my experience since starting Story Shop, you know, I think because we've been, we've chosen who we want to, to work with. And I think when we go in with the best intentions, where it's a partnership, we're actually trying to both get to the same destination to help the client and really provide that value and be a team and both be you know in, invested in it working and both be accepting the fact that what you do might not work but you'll learn from it and you'll be able to do something bigger and better next time but because you're both you know investing that then it's so much better and I think the way we deal with journalists is exactly the same as well where we will go out our way to really really help them even if it's not for one of our clients because we know then you know they'll come to us again. Absolutely. And I think that's one of your real strong points at Story Shop is that relationship building and the trust element because you can't buy that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You can't buy it. (laughs) When it comes to gifting books, is there one particular book or books that you have ordered the most? Like, so for example, when I go on to Waterstones or World of Books and I look at my order history, a lot of the books that are in there are things like out of Africa by Karen Blixen, Wonder by R.J. Palacio. I don't know if you've read that. I've not, but it, I it's a film I'll with add it to my list. in the same way that you're obsessed with Alan Partridge. <laughs> I am obsessed with Owen Wilson. Oh, I've seen the film. <laughs> I've actually seen the film. Uh, but the book, oh my gosh, yeah. the book, Gregor, is so good. <laughs> so there's that. Then there's Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Then there's Freshwater for Flowers by Valerie Perrin. I mean, there's like a dozen books that I'm like, read it, read it, read it. What would that be for you? So there's a few, and a lot of them are kind of more business side of things. There's a book called Win Without Pitching by Blair Ends, which I think is a great a great book about the agency client dynamic and how, you know, the whole pitch process is entirely broken and what businesses can do to kind of fix that. He's a, another amazing agency thinker, so I've given that to people who also own agencies to, to share that. 
in terms of fiction, I read A Little Life and then I got, you know, I think that was one of the books that kind of got me back into reading fiction. I became completely engrossed in it and it's one of those books I kind of completely hoovered up. So I've given that to some people who have maybe similarly not been reading fiction, reading quite as often and thought, right, here's a book that I think will kind of get you back into it and you can definitely get stuck into a book I gave out quite a lot was Deep Work as well by Cal Newport. Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah. Not read it. So it was basically about the the power of focus work and what you can achieve if you're not kind of getting thrown into limitless distractions all the time. I gave that out to quite a few people as well. When it comes to holidays, have you had a holiday with the family? Yes, we were just away over Christmas. We've decided we're going to go away every Christmas because I think that is the best time for... The business gets a wee bit quieter so we can actually be away because I think I find it very hard to break free from work. So, And it has been so kind of nose to the ground trying to get the business going and things. So we've not really been able to properly enjoy holidays. I think we went away to Disney in Paris and it blew my son's mind. And then we went to San Sebastian, which is probably the best, one of the best places I've ever been in my life. In I'm a Spain? big foodie. Yeah, so I kind of follow wherever Anthony Bourdain has gone and we'll try and uh, kind of then have exactly the same experience as him when he's there. So we went there and it was a wee bit hard to do with two children, but it was amazing. And then Scarlett's mum and dad came out as well to to help, which made a, a huge difference. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so does that mean if you're, if you're a fan of Anthony Bourdain that you've been to the University Cafe for fish and chips and a can of iron brew? I have, um, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we actually worked with one of his producers who was writing an article for Forbes and she came over and she said that was going to be our first stop when she came to to Glasgow. Brilliant, <laughs> love it. So apart from eating on the holiday, did you manage any reading? Uh, no, <laughs> honestly, it was... Going away with two children, I was not prepared for how hard that is. It's just very, very constant. I brought, so I'm reading Pachinko at the moment, which is, it's really, really good. I read four pages of it when I was away. We'd fall asleep because they, they were getting up at four o'clock and things. There were long Santa. days. It was, um, you'd get to the end of the day. And also there was kind of bits and pieces of work that I had to kind of take care of. So any minute I got, I was then doing work and then I was, uh, so I was, I didn't manage any reading whatsoever. So four pages. <laughs> Maybe what you need to do at Story Shop is introduce an afternoon off once a month. Just and for reading. Just for reading. Yeah. Take the team up to the Mitchell Library in Glasgow, because I know your office is in Glasgow, and just have a Wes Anderson inspired <laughs> experience of reading. That sounds lovely. Yeah, great <laughs> idea. I'll take that from own. <laughs> Gregor, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take 30 seconds to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps. New episodes drop every Thursday. Thanks so much for listening.